Welcome to The Land of Aru, a fan cast of Carcerum the Series, presented by the American Council for the Blind, Sunday edition with Anthony, and supported by Shane Salk Productions. Welcome, welcome, welcome to In the Land of Aru, a Carcerum fan cast. I'm your host, Anthony Corona. I'm here, as always, with Shane Salk. Hey, Shane. Hey, and so I wanted to throw it to you for a moment. Um, folks out there that are loving Carcerum, there's some other cool stuff that, that's out there, courtesy of Shane Salt Productions. You want to tell the folks what other stuff they can go look up? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of great, great content out there. Um, we did a Christmas Carol, as many people know. Uh, but one of the things that just came out this, yeah. this uh, past week is a... a, a a podcast called solar it is uh, we we did the recording for it we were the uh, studio engineers and sort of consulted a little bit on it but uh they have done an amazing job uh with this show and i'm very very excited to hear it so right now the trailer is out and you can go check out the trailer on any podcasting platform um and uh, or and then i don't know when that's actually going to drop but if you uh, follow us, follow Carcerum. We will definitely tell you when that happens. And you can hit us up on Twitter. Um, we put postings out every week for the show. I am Anthony31C. Uh, Shane, you're just Shane Salk. And then there's the Carcerum, the series, right? That is correct. All right. Awesome. The email for Sunday edition, all of the various Sunday edition programming is Sunday edition, AC at gmail.com. I got two questions this week as well. And I, sometimes I open these questions and I'm like, wow, why didn't I think to ask that? But anyway, um, I want to remind folks also, uh, you heard the promo at the beginning of tonight's show for Leadership Week. Still streaming on ACB Media 2 is the digest version of Sunday Edition, Visibilities, and Tuesday Topics, the trainings that we all put together, as well as all of the advocacy updates focusing on each imperative. So as we go into these virtual meetings, we will be armed with a lot of knowledge and we will be able to talk it up and get these, these folks to pay attention to some of the stuff that we need to happen, legislatively speaking. So remind us, Shane, where we left off last week. I would love to. What happened last week? Okay, so I think... Um, Kevin and Aura had found Istin and Karis and they were traveling along and Istin was being a jerk and said, hey, well, why don't we test out Karis, uh, Kevin's fighting? And then Aura ended up fighting Karis and, and did some, you know, pretty good moves to there. And so they are, are camping for the night out and in the To world. refresh our folks, Istin is now another person who is may or may not be part of the prophecy. Correct. Yeah. All right, Jeff, whenever you're ready, we can run the episode. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description. All righty, righty, righty. What an interesting term of events. You are listening to In the Land of Veru, a Carcerum fan cast. So I want to send a message out there to Derek. We have your question, but we're going to hold it for about two or three weeks. We'll get to it. But I do have two other questions that came in via email. One of them is for you, Shane. 
Allison wants to know that during the height of the pandemic, she was doing a lot of trivia nights and things, and she swears that she came upon your voice in some interesting trivia nights. Would that be you? Uh, I mean, I did trivia nights. What in 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 what? Like they they pre-recorded stuff and. I don't know. That was the question. She went to trivia nights and she swears she heard you hosting trivia nights. Oh, hosting. Uh, it wouldn't have been me. It wasn't me. I was probably honestly working on carcerum. That's <laughs> <laughs> that was what I did most of my nights during that. But uh, it sounds like fun. Well, I am well, a I huge have... supporter of them. I love trivia nights myself. While I have you unmuted, why don't you introduce tonight's guest? Okay, so Elia Mountjoy is who we're going to talk to tonight. He plays Istin in the wonderful uh, part you just heard there. Uh, he is a voiceover actor. He is uh, hugely diverse. He's done um, mo motion capture, a lot of motion capture, theater and all that stuff, but motion capture, so a lot of fighting. I wouldn't want to get into a fight with him because he knows how to do it more than I do. Um, so <laughs> video games and all kinds of stuff. Uh and uh, he actually also helped us put in a rug at the studio. Well, no, <laughs> he was helping us put in a floor at the studio, which is really cool. Um, and that's, I mean, he's a very handsome man. Art imitating life, huh? <laughs> we could welcome, not have welcome, cast welcome. him better. <laughs> welcome, 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 Malaya. Uh, thank you very much. It's, uh, it's a real pleasure to be here. So I loved your bio and I'm going to I'm going to ask you a couple of questions out of it. But um, why don't we start by you kind of giving us your journey? Uh, you know, I, I love this. The, the very opening line um, growing up in a sports oriented family. I myself played baseball, so I definitely um, I definitely have that that in common. Tell us a little about your journey to Hollywood. Yeah, that's right. Um, I was born into a very sports driven family, sports and academia. Um, and both my parents were educators. And um, so like my kind of uh, God-given traits, if you will, did not really align with, with that. Like I was much more, very, from very early on, much more uh, inclined to, to the arts. So, I mean, my mom tells um, tales even of me just kind of being in the baby seat um, in the back as like, a uh, an ambulance would go by, I would mimic it. It'd be like, you know, and I don't remember this. This was so far before my memories that it's just kind of, it's just, that's how I came out. Um, much, much more artistic. So needless to say, I did not excel in school, <laughs> but I had so much fun building costumes, making um, comic books with my friends. We had like a cool, we lived in a cul-de-sac in Boulder, Colorado. That's where I'm from. <clears throat> so like up in the, up in the mountains. And um, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. It's obviously very different now. Um, the, the world is different, but um, it was a great place to grow up because I was exposed to a lot of outdoors and nature. Um, which was just perfect for somebody like me. I mean, I was very physical, 
but I just, and I played all the sports, all of them, but I just, um, when it came time to like, like my father got me into very, very competitive leagues, very young to, to prime me for, um, for varsity and for a college ball and all this stuff. And we'd always, because I lived in this cool little, um, cul-de-sac with, with, um, with really um, like-minded friends, we were playing um, like we would all, we were always doing something. Um, we loved giving each other what we called adventures where um, basically one would be a kind of a, a game master or the dungeon master, but this was like live action. So we dress up with our um, spray painted paint gun, um, squirt guns and like our fatigues and uh, walkie talkie taped to our head. And we'd be, you know, Navy, Navy seawalls that uh, Navy, Navy seals that went AWOL or uh, um, futuristic cops. Uh, you know, it was always something like that. Um, we loved sci-fi. We loved fantasy. And that was just always a part of my, uh, my artistic inclination. So basically when, when it came time for the technology kind of caught up with, um, you know, camcorders and stuff, boom, we were making home movies left and right. And, uh, and one time we made a, um, our own kind of like radio show. And I, I grew up listening to those as well. And um, I just, I loved it because I was not naturally a good reader. I was, I was much too distractible and kind of ADD minded. So I was always on the go. So reading was really difficult for me. Um, but this, but like a book on tape um, re- was able to capture my imagination. And uh, I just, I loved that. So we ended up making a few of our own. And, um, and that led me to like, um, I, you know, I made it through, I made it through high school, but we were making all kinds of um, films and stuff through there. I, mean, I even got expelled from, no, not expelled. I got suspended from a few times because we, we were bringing props to, um, to class and create our movies. And uh, that wasn't okay, especially because they were like BB guns or, you know, our, our, we, which we grew up doing, but it's obviously not cool to bring them to school. This was, this was prior to um, uh, Columbine as well, yeah. but that obviously made a huge splash. But um, so we were always kind of in trouble, but we were never like bad kids. We weren't, you know, getting drunk and doing drugs and driving flaming cars off the edge of some cliff into the um, national forest. Um, we were just doing our thing. And uh, so by the time college came, I was like, I was kind of made to go. Like my, you know, my parents were going to have me go. And I really just, I was like, Oh, I'm just, I don't, I don't like school. I don't do well with that format, but, um, but I was made to go. So I ended up studying uh, film and film production and film history and that exposed me to it like a lot of um, a lot of different styles and genres. And, um, and I love that. I was able to get through all the way through college doing that. And um, upon graduating, then I, uh, I followed a girl to San Francisco. <laughs> and apparently, you want to find love in San Francisco. You don't want to follow it there because it was one of those n- nuclear catastrophic meltdown kind of end of the relationship things, but it brought me to California. And there I was, was like, Oh, I used to wait for her. Um, she was a dancer and I would, I would be sitting in the car 
because we're just one car in, in San Francisco. It's crazy to even have a car. It was hers. But she had one of these um, computers, these new computers that had a microphone built into it. And so um, I, at the time, my brother had introduced me to um, had this, um, this uh, fantasy um, series called The Sword of Shannara by Terry Brooks. And uh, like I mentioned before, I wasn't good at reading, but I kind of forced myself to try and get better at it just by doing it. And I got way into it. I was like, oh, this is great. Oh, I love this. Oh, and because this computer had this um, microphone in it, I found myself naturally inclined to just um, like read, read passages from the book. I remember one specifically, I even have them saved somewhere, but um, I, I remember this passage in particular, there was, there was this guy named, he was a, he was a shade named Bremen. And I was reading into the thing, you know, becoming the character. And I was like, that's it. I mean, I love, I love this. I love doing this. This is what I've always been doing. And it brought me back to the performance side of the art. And so I was like, I got, I got this, is what I got to do. So I enrolled in um, some acting classes there with um, the Phil Bennett um, theater lab. He's kind of a descendant of um, Stanislavski. And um, so I got the classic stuff, which was, was great in terms of Shakespeare and Chekhov and um, just kind of um, learning basics. I really needed to be, kind of stripped down, shocked like corn, because I had just been doing my own thing and to kind of hone the edge, if you will. Um, that was really good training for me. Did, did some re regional theater there, um, but realized, oh, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this acting thing, I'm going to have to, um, I'm gonna have to migrate south of the birds and go to Los Angeles. So that's what ended up happening. And I came, I came down and uh, I joined a band because, I mean, the goal was to, was to act, but I joined a band because, like I mentioned before, this kind of core um, crew of friends that I grew up with in the cul-de-sac, um, they, they were living out here already. And they're like, hey, let's get the band back together because some of the things we did was make music when we were 13 or whatever, and we you know, put them on cassettes. So we got together and we're like, let's check it out. We played it. We're like, oh, you know, damn, that's not half bad. That's not half bad. Hey, you know what? We should just get together and just jam a couple of things out, see how it goes. And then they were great. We're like, boom, we were off to the races. We we're doing the band thing. And um, so at some point, like um, I had a neighbor who was, um, she was cool. She lived across the street. We had this, like, we had the band house in Hollywood. You know, we'd have a, like a, a whole room dedicated to where we could like jam man. And, and uh, we threw parties and blah, blah. But um, the next door neighbor was, this must've been after a hard, a hard night singing. Cause I was, I must've been like real raspy and, you know, she was like, Hey, you should get into voiceover. And uh, <laughs> I, I had never even considered it. I didn't even know that it was a thing, you know? So she's like, oh, let me take you into somebody's, uh, I know them. They're right down the street in Hollywood. So she brings me in and she's like, uh, I walk into this, like a tight, it felt like I'm kind of a taller person, but it felt like the ceiling was extra low and there were stacks of papers and all kinds of stuff everywhere. And I just was like, there's, there's a hoarder lives here, you know? And uh, she's like, Hey, um, 
hey, this is the guy I was telling you about. He wants to get into voiceover. And he's like, oh, okay. All right, kid. So uh, what, you got a reel or something for me to listen to? And I was like, whoa, uh, no, I don't even know what a reel is. You know, I just, I just, she just told me to show up and all right, right. That's okay. We just come back to me, kid, when you got something. All right. All right. I'm a busy guy. So I was like, okay, all right. I think I'm good on the, on the voiceover thing. I'm good. I'm about the music, man. So we went on for a couple more years. We played the sunset strip and we did the whole thing. And then as bands do, the band broke up. And I was like, damn, what am I going to do with, uh, with myself and all this equipment that I've accrued over the, the course of the years? And um, I was like, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to give that VO thing a spin. So I called a friend that I knew um, who she was doing VO. I said, hey, <clears throat> how did you, how'd you get into this? What'd you do? She's like, well, I went to this... Uh, my coach, the voiceover doctor. I was like, come again. She's like, yeah, the VO no. doc. I was like, the VO doc? You got to be kidding me. And she introduces me to uh, Bill, who, and then, who then by the end of you know, my first couple of classes, I was like, ah, now I get why they call you the VO doc. Because he breaks it right down. He diagnoses you right away with um, you know, where you're at. So that's kind of how I got into VO and somewhere along, along the, um, along the path also, I discovered that, you know, motion capture was a thing. Um, and that tied in everything. It tied in the, the voice, it tied in my childhood play, playing out these, um, you know, action scenarios. I was like, I mean, this is literally what I grew up doing. It's literally what I have always loved. I want to do it. So, um, in order to do some of those roles, I realized I needed to continue to like, um, continue to study. I mean, one of the, one of the, um, doctors, um, diagnoses and recommendations for me was, was improv, which was, um, nothing short of transformative for me. Uh, probably the most important and significant things that I have done for just being an artist. And, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got into the, into the game and um, the path that led me to it. Awesome. So let me just take a quick break and remind folks that the Sunday edition link for any of our Sunday edition programming is the same. If you have questions, please join us. Um, we'll be taking some questions in a few minutes. I'm going to got a couple of my own to go through, but uh, there will definitely be some time. So join us using any of the Sunday edition links. I want to go back um, to something you said um, just a few minutes ago. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan, a huge Chekhov fan. Um, you know, I personally think that Nina in The Seagull is one of the best written characters, you know, A, for a woman, but, but B, just ever. Um, hmm. So, you know, was that transformative for you or was it something that you checked off the box? Oh, it was definitely transformative because it wasn't even a box for me to check off. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Puns intended. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, like, like I said, I was all about sci-fi, fantasy. In fact, people introduced me to, um, to this kind of, um, you know, time pieces, classical pieces, and they just were lost on me. But by the time I got to the, um, the point where we're breaking down, you know, 
copy the script yeah. and um, really getting digging into characters. It, it was hugely transformative for me, specifically um, the cherry orchard where I could, especially when, you know, they're getting into Russian culture and I mean, yeah. it's, it's a, it's, I mean, it's, it's a main topic right to today. Um, but just, it was so different for me. I was like, oh my God. And I was living in San Francisco at the time from, you know, Boulder is not a small town, but it's not, it is not a big town. And there is by no means a lot of diversity there. Um, unless you're talking about the university, but, um, it's kind of, it's kind of all one note there. And when I got to San Francisco, it was a different palette, different traditions, cuisines, religions, um, just a different everything. So it was a it was a big eye opener, and um, and I I it really appreciated being exposed to um, you know Russian culture and um, uh, British culture by way of Shakespeare and just different things that I just were were absolutely not on my map that um, that are considered classics. You know, it's like if you want to be a dancer, you you really should study um, ballet. If you want to be a classical musician, you really should study Mozart and Tchaikovsky. It's, um, you're never going to do it better than them. The best you could do is as good. And they figured out, um, because they dedicated themselves to it, um, being what being in that flow moment is. And uh, I certainly had a lot to learn uh, by way of that. Yeah. So you touched on, <clears throat> excuse me, you touched on something I was going to ask. I was going to ask about the kind of culture shock. Of, of really, you know, getting into the belly of San Francisco being from, from somewhere like Boulder. I, yeah. Boulder's a very pretty, pretty city. Yeah. It's a very easy city to be in. And then yeah. you get, and San Fran can be an easy city to be in, you know, if you're in certain um, mm. cliques, let's call it. Mm. But, you know, then you explore and you're like, wow, life, man, this is life. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's a great way to put it. Boulder is an easy town um, to be in. It, that's absolutely true. There is a there is a strange dark side to Boulder because really? there's always yeah. I mean, look look at all the you get a, the Jean Benet Ramsey cases that happens. Sure. Like what you know what is going on with this place where you've got I don't know. It, it's a I have a personal philosophy about the kind of yin yang sort of thing about if you're going to have all these pluses, it, somehow there's going to be negatives to balance it out. And, um, and Boulder is definitely no exception to that. Um, there's a lot of weirdos there and, but, but, oh my God, San Francisco was, um, completely, uh, completely overwhelming. You know, me and my brother, we lived, um, we lived right on market street at, um, 10, market street, which actually now is Twitter headquarters. And it's wow. crazy because it's completely night and day. I mean, when we lived there, there was a strip club across the street. In the back, there was the Ninth District Courthouse. We were we could see the Civic Center. You know, when you walked out the front gate, um, and you could see you would see everything. Um, you know, I I don't know if this is a family show, but I won't just go into into um, a detail or description as to what we would see when we would walk out. Sometimes it, it was Thank pretty you. gnarly, definitely a big city kind of scenario. Yeah. I, I grew up in Staten Island, New York, and, you know, I started going into Manhattan really early on in my teenage years. And I thought, 
I knew, you know, oh, I grew up growing up in New York City. Mm. But then, you know, you end up in some neighborhoods and, and some clubs <laughs> and some parties. And it's like, wow, oh. this, mm. this, this this is a whole other kind of life. Yeah. Um, so what about when you got to Hollywood? You know, yeah. a lot of a lot of folks feel like L.A. is an animal of its own. Um, what's your experience? You know, what's how do you categorize L.A.? Oh, L.A. is is um, I mean, when I got when I got here. I instantly could tell that people were nicer. <laughs> I don't think it was just the weather. There's just a there's yeah. a pretentious culture there it, where it somehow permeates through everything. And um yeah, it's the weather, but it's also, I don't know, it's, you know, big tech has been up there forever and um, it just creates this kind of competitive nature. And um, I, got, I liked it a lot more here. But that said, like when I first moved here, I moved to, to Westwood, which is basically Boulder because UCLA is there and it's so similar to CU. It's the state school. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, I, you know, I did not move from there to come to here and just have more of the same. So I actually moved to, to Hollywood um, after that, and um, and that uh, that was its own version of crazy. Same deal. Walking out, um, here's a burning car. You know, there's a car that flipped upside down there. One time we were sitting in, um, we were playing on a piano, working out a song, and the 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 building shook. You know, we we're like, oh, it's uh, it's an earthquake. No, uh, it was a drunk, a drunk driver who crashed into the living room in the apartment beneath us. That was Hollywood. Hollywood Ooh. is a crazy, crazy place. When you get there, you're like, this is not Tinseltown. There's just, you see the, yeah. that's what I was talking uh, about, the, the glitz and the glam and then the dirty underside, the underbelly of what really is, is going on. And that, that definitely was Hollywood for me. What they show us, you know, most of the time is the hills. You know, which is not Hollywood, Hollywood. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Or you get a shot of the sign, which is totally fenced off and you can't even touch it. You know, you can hike to it, yeah. which I used to run up in those hills and it was great, but that's not Hollywood. No. So let's segue. Um, I think, I think our, you know, our listeners are blind or visually impaired. Um, and we've talked a lot. So we've done a lot of talking about, um, improv here on the show. Mm. A lot of our a lot of our folks are thinking about getting into the voiceover industry or some audio editing. We're kind of hitting, we're running the spectrum. What we haven't had anyone that we could talk to about is motion captioning. Mm. Um, can you break it down a little bit for us? Tell us, you know, what is a day in the life like, you know, filming? Or is it filming or recording? What do you call it? Yeah, c- uh, capturing. You call it capturing. capturing. Yeah, you could call it you could call it recording also. What's a day in the life like, you know, going in to capture for for a, you know, a series or for a game or something? Well, um it was described to me before, and I think this is a good way to describe what mocap is. Um it's like black box theater meets on camera um uh, on camera recording. So your your body is is black box. It's or it's, you know, theater in the round. So you, you have to imagine that, that whoever's playing the video game, the player character could be at any, any point, anywhere. And you, if you are being happy or sad or angry or whatever your state is, that has to be um, understood and read from any vantage point. Just like if you were doing theater in the round. Um, but except that you're, so it's a little larger, it's a little, it's a little bigger, but, but your face isn't because um, 
because that would be too much, right? That would be, um, you know, yeah. Euripides or something where you're like, oh, I'm crying. It just doesn't, we don't, that's not really <laughs> what, we, what we like in that form these days. So <clears throat> but what you do is you get dressed up in a spacesuit, a Lycra suit, your, your pajamas. It's like, um, um, it's very tight fitting so that it can capture your form. It's got these little reflective balls all over it. And depending on the, the um, system, there's a couple of different systems, inertia systems, but mostly the, like the ocular, uh, the um, ocular systems will, will catch the reflection of these balls and um, track your movement. Um, the technology originally originated in um, the medical fields. So if you had like a, yeah, a, a, yeah a bum knee or a bad back, they, they, put the, they put the reflectors on you and put you on a treadmill or have you walk across the floor. And then, and then that, that data would be translated into a, um, like a stick man skeleton. And they go, oh, but you know, it's much easier to see that your hip is dropping because your knee is compensating for, you know, and they could, they could much easier see. So what they say is your, your, your skeleton doesn't lie. Um, <clears throat> and the same with a voiceover, you know, the microphone can hear, can hear you blink, can hear your, your hair grow. Yep. You can't fake it, um, which is a really um, one of the first things I learned from uh, Bill. You can't, you're not going to fake your way through this, which is why, you know, he recommended improv, which is one of the things that gets you to just be yourself, be natural. That's absolutely applicable to, um, to motion capture. And sometimes it's, it's called performance capture if they're also um, have like a, a, a camera on your head that that's also capturing your, your uh, facial data, your facial movements, as well as your voice. It's kind of a whole performance. I think it was Tom Hanks who actually um, coined that phrase when he was in uh, Polar Express. Um, but yeah, the day like that is it, because it's not like a movie set where you, you get on and the whole set's there and it's a hurry up and wait. Okay, we got to get the, the camera rigged and the angles, and we got to pull this, and then we got to set up the lights, and the, all this stuff's got to be done, and you're just hanging out. With motion capture, uh, you'll, you'll get maybe a folding chair, a piece of tape, uh, and like a, a C-stand with a, a tennis ball at the end of it, and that's your spaceship or whatever. You know, it's extremely minimal, and you have to use your imagination to fill in all so. It, it just goes from shot to shot to shot to shot. There's no uh, go back to your trailer and powder your face while you get ready for the next close up, darling. It's you, you are you're ready to go. And if you're doing a lot of um, in-game stuff, which means you're you're um, you're doing like the, the kind of core engine stuff, you're 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 doing what the character moves like. Um, that's different from, say, cinematics where you're doing like a scene. I much prefer the cinematics have done some in game, but the end game is pretty brutal. It's, I mean, it's, it's, um, you got, you had better be in shape. Um, and even then it's gonna, it's gonna whip you. So let's segue into Carcerum, my chosen one. <laughs> <laughs> That's how right. You, um, how did you, you know, how were you approached? What did you think when, you know, when you um, found out what the character was going to be? Well, the, um, the doctor and Shane approached me with, um, this script. They said, Hey, do you, are you open to, um, auditioning for this? We got a, we got a role in mind for you. 
I was like, of course, of course. I, I mean, I would love to, whatever they've got. I'm like, of course. They gave me a chunk of the script. And uh, I mean, a pretty good chunk. Like um, the script is obviously huge, but I got, you know, like a couple of episodes. Um, no, that's not true. No, I got like good chunks of a few episodes. Enough to really like start to see what the world is and who the characters are. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is amazing. Like you guys wrote this. This is awesome. Yeah. You know, this is like really awesome. And then I was like, um, then I was like, Oh, Oh my God, this is, this is going to be really good. Like, I can't just like, I can't just come in with my, you know, shooting from my hip. I'm going to have to come in with my A game. And then they started telling me some of the other players that were attached to it. And I was like, <laughs> you know, great. You know, as if there, as, as if I needed any um, less pressure to, um, to consider this. But when I read the role, um, particularly for Istin, I was like, oh man, this is, this character is so rich. He's so, um, he's so like both the positive and the negative. He's the yes and the no. I loved it. I loved that. I was like, oh, this is this character is so dynamic. He's got so much um, flexibility and um, he's so fluid. You go from this side to that side. Can you trust him? Of course you can. And of course you can't at the same time. You're like, what, you know, what's going on with this guy? So um, they had me read for him. And, um, and I knew that I knew that it was a role that a lot of people would love to have played. So when they offered it to me, I was extremely humbled and um, just overjoyed that I got to play him because it was so much fun. Riston really was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm I'm a huge soap opera fan. I do, <laughs> you know, a separate soap opera podcast. And, and I think, you know, sometimes it falls over into, you know, the fantasy realm and, you know, the suspension of disbelief and the best characters are the ones that have that dichotomy to them, have that, you know, that little bit of a D bag kind of thing going on, but yet there's a, there's a vulnerability yeah. or something going on. I'm not sure what yeah. it is with this yet. Um, but yeah, they're the most, they're the most interesting characters. So what did you in your head kind of build up before you started recording? What did you know about him for yourself to you know, like the backstory, so to speak? Oh, well, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know. I only, um, like I didn't, I didn't know. Certainly, I did not know his arc, and certainly, I'm not going to tell you now because I, I think it would be um, nervous, giving yeah. it away. But they, which I think that was deliberate. You know, they're like, you, you know, if you know too much, you can't honestly play that moment in a in a way. So they kept me just a just a pace or two behind what I knew. Um, but I mean, Bill and Shane, they're great directors, and they tag team really well, and. Um, they knew where this character was, you know, his element in, in the process of telling and unfurling this story. So if I gave a performance that um, wasn't really in line with that, they direct me over here. And, um, and then, you know, towards the end, you go, ah, I see, I see. That's why they, um, they were keeping me on this side because ultimately he goes over here and, you know, that kind of thing. What was the most challenging part of it for you? Well, Istin um, is a really conflicted um, individual. And so 
playing honestly, even the mistruths is a challenge. You know, even when you know it's like, is he telling truth here or is he lying? Well, either way, you have to tell the truth. It's got to be the truth. It's the truth oh. to Istin. And um, sometimes that can be that can be tricky to navigate. Um, and I and I because they would give me the you know the script, or if we were going to record um, two or something that they give they give me those episodes and I could read them out, break them down best I could, and really make some choices as to how to play him honestly, how to play him um, you know purely, truly, and um, because they gave me like such big chunks. Um, that's what really made it a, a challenge, but also a joy to to sink to sink my teeth into a character like Istin. What do you think Istin looks like? <laughs> it's <laughs> funny you ask that. I the first time I um, <clears throat> the first time I pictured him, I almost I almost hesitate to say anything because I think the like um, it's along the same veins as like. Um, you know, don't meet your hero because then you'll find out who they actually are. Um, and, and it's almost like, you know, whoever you picture is to be, that's, that's it. That's, that's him. That's perfect. That's how he is. I, I though, I pictured him having a large lapel. <laughs> he had a, a, he had these tall leather boots, probably because I always wanted tall leather boots, um, you know, kind of a swashbuckling sort of style. Um, but he's got that kind of that kind of face where you want to trust him, but you you don't know whether or not you can, and it's going to take time. It's going to take time to figure that out. He's not a he's not a oh this is like you know you, you meet a golden retriever and like oh you look at this oh, I love this dog, and some there's some cats you meet where you're like mm, I don't know if I want to pet that cat, <laughs> you know he's <laughs> yeah. somewhere he's somewhere in between you don't know. You don't know. I, I kind of, from my, you know, and, and I've done this with, with the voice talents that have come on so far. I, I kind of picture him being Tom Hardy playing Jack Sparrow with, a, you know, a bad A sword, you know, and, and the whole, you know, the whole bad A sword leather thing going on. <laughs> That's how That's I great. picture him. I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, I'm going to get behind that and push. All right. Do you want to have a little fun with us before we take any audience questions? Sure. All right. I'm going to throw three scenarios at you. Give us the voicing for it. And this one, I've been waiting for somebody with a voice like yours. Play Kevin for us. Give us your best Kevin. Okay. Okay. You mean just right now, just go to Kevin? Yep. Oh, Oh, okay. Um, Well, (laughs) I mean, sure, if that's what you think that you ought to do. But I mean, all I could do is, is just, all I could do is just be me. And if you want me to carry this bag of rocks, I'm going to just say, why do you just carry the bag of rocks? How about that? <laughs> nice. I'm Istin. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. Scenario number two. Um, one of my favorite kid, you know, movies from when I was a kid is Star Trek The Wrath of Khan. Uh. So, you are the villain and you are coming up on screen. You're, you know, right before you're about to like annihilate the enterprise. Attention, USS Enterprise. It is I, 
broke. You will lower your shields as we are beaming ourselves on board now. And as we speak, you will turn over Tiberius Kirk to us imminently. Nice. All right, last one. What is your favorite Shakespeare character? Oh, Hamlet. I think it's going to have to be Hamlet. All right, so give us Hamlet being dropped in the middle of San Francisco and meeting you the day after you got to San Francisco. Oh, my dear boy. If only you knew what's set before you. This place has everything. Creation and destruction. If you know how to harness that, if you can become the good, you might yet have a chance to avoid the bad. Nice. I got a question All for right. you, Aliyah. All right. Sorry, it's Shane. Um, it's interesting because um, Bill and I would be in the control room and we'd be talking. And I haven't really asked anybody because I'm, it can be, Bill and I can get very heated depending on what we're talking about. And for someone like Aliyah who came in and he recorded a number of times, was there any point or what was it like just watching us in there and just be like, is it, is it nerve wracking to, to be witnessing this thing you just cannot hear anything about? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. I mean, well, <clears throat> if I hadn't, probably otherwise known who you guys were, I think I probably would have been like, what is going on in there? <laughs> you know, but I know, I know who Bill is and I know who you are. And, um, and I, like, I had a glimpse of this behemoth that you guys were sewing together. And I, th these things don't just fall together. They don't make themselves. Somebody must do the stitching and the thatching of the quilt. And, there's lots of pricking of the fingers and gnashing of the teeth and knitting of the brow that happens with that. And so fortunately, because I had that vantage point, I was able to be like, yeah, they're just hashing it out. You know, let them do their thing. Um, but I mean, I, I also had to learn that skill as a, as a view artist, you know, um, anytime you're recording something and then, I mean, some people are good about, okay, great. That was a good take. Um, we're just going to discuss, give us a second. You know, sometimes it's standby and it just goes on and you're just like, you're just sitting in there sweating bullets like, uh, Bill actually talked about this. He's like, don't worry about that. Your performance is your performance. If they need something different, they'll direct you differently. You just give an honest read and that's, that's what you got, you know? So um, very seldom, very seldom has I, have I, um, really started sweating what was going on there. And, and especially because I knew, um, I knew you and Bill, I was like, yeah. I know that they just, they got to have a duel and, and that's <laughs> nothing has nothing to do with me. Well, half the time we were literally talking about, I remember we, we would, somebody was like, what are, you know, you guys were like fighting or something. And we're like, Oh, we had, it had nothing to do with the actor. We were literally discussing in our minds, the layout of, shadow run and how close the stool was to the bar versus the front door and we would get heated about that but you know sometimes the actor is like well they're talking about me and what they want mm -hmm. me to do and it's like it literally mm -hmm. had nothing to do with you yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it also like if this this is this would differ a lot than say 
um, yeah, a commercial session, a promo session. Um, it's, it's much more like a video game or animation where it's like your performance also, it, I mean, it has to, has to plug into the whole, it has to contribute to the development, this world building. And that's, there's a lot of moving pieces there. And, um, I mean, this project was, it's just, the fact that it was, um, you know, created by you guys, it's not like, oh, well, let's just go to like, when we're doing a play, let's go. Well, what did um, what did Chekhov actually? What's the actual translation? Let's look. You know, let's go back to the the tomb, the original, um, the canon. There isn't that. It's like this is what I had pictured. No, this is what I had pictured. On guard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we need to get swords. I think you're right. <laughs> yeah, that will settle it quick. You know, the layers of, you know, the audio, putting it all together, layering it piece by piece by piece. When you heard the first episode um, or the first episode you were in, you know, I, I know you had to have had a level of like, wow, I knew this was going to be good. But oh, my God, look at how good this really actually is. I was thinking about the, you know, the exchanges and more the 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 beats, um, you know, where Kevin's doing his thing and, and you're assigning to to Aura. I would think that, and I'm totally blind now, but I, I'm six years in, um, I would think that I'm watching a series, an HBO series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what was that, what were those moments when you first heard the completed, you know, project, the completed episode? Oh, oh my God. I'm, I, it was, I was, I was uh, literally staggering. You know, a lot of this can actually be attributed to the wizardry of Shane, who who is, is technically able to produce this uh, world to to flesh it out, and it, that is no easy task. You can't. It's seldom does um, the cap wearing actor also able to switch his cap into the um, engineer, and then into the director, and then into you know into the producer, and. Um, <laughs> That's those are really tricky tricks, and um, what it, it absolutely is cinematic. The, the, it pans right, and you can hear somebody walk past, and there's talking over there. And when I go take a piss at that tree over there, you can hear it completely immerses you. It's it's amazing, and I just it, it wasn't. It was probably this when we rec- recorded this uh, episode <clears throat> that I was like, oh man, oh this is going to be this is rich. It's so deep. It's full. Cause I think it was when I, when I, when I read this, the script at the end where I think it's the, I think it's the final line of this episode where, you know, instance like sweet dreams aura or better yet, no dreams at all. You know, the world is yep. harsh enough without them. I was like, Oh dude, this is awesome. It's, it's not just a safe, like patty cake, patty cake. We're going to, this is like, you know, a dangerous place. It's, it's, it is scary. You don't know who you can trust. There is a lot of peril. There's a lot on the line. Um, I, 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 the more we got into it, the more I was just like, dude, this is awesome. This is awesome. We're going to talk for a few more minutes. Cindy, let's do a hand check. If, is, are there any hands? No, sir. I just checked. All right. It is the generic Sunday edition link, folks. It is all over the place on the list on acbmedia.org. I think it is even on Twitter, too. So if you've got questions, join us. We're going to talk for a few more minutes. And Um, you can also always find it at carcerumtheseries.com under the land of Aru. 
That's right. You know, I forget that every single week. Thank you, Shane. <laughs> How about Dana? What um, what kind of shout out do you want to do you want to throw out towards Dana? Oh, Dana Sore. I mean, <clears throat> I really I really got to know her as I was coming up. She she was um already you know um, working with a doctor and had already really established herself as quite a performer by then. So I was learning from her as much as I could. So we, ne- we never actually had any sessions together. I just knew yeah. that she was going to be bringing it. And then I had better be richly living this, the moments to be played next to her. Um, <clears throat> same with, same with, um, with Kevin and same with, I mean, the cast, the whole cast, you're like, you can't just float these, you can't just float the words out. You're going to have to, you're going to have to live them. You're going to have to give yourself mm-hmm. over to them. That was such a joy. Um, but I mean, Dana is such a sweetheart and she just had a baby, you know, shout out to you, Dana and Corey. Um, congratulations, you guys. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, she's, she's just a constantly She's only ever a pleasure to work with or be around. How about the doctor? The doctor is a different story. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor, I mean, the doctor gives it to you straight, <clears throat> which is, you know, part of his charm. It's not always easy to, to stomach, but that's how you get to be a better performer, you know? And it's the same, um, the same with Bob Bergen, whose uh, birthday it is, I believe it is today. Happy birthday, Bob. Um, he's the same straight shooter just gives it, gives it to, you know, it's not being cruel, but here you go. This is, this is, uh, this is where you're at. So what should you be working on? Um, I actually met Bob, Bob through Bill, you know? Um, but that's when you're surrounded by, um, really wonderful talent and people who want to see you do well, um, you can't help, but get better if, if that's what your intention is. So besides The Chosen One, of course, what are one or two of your favorite projects? You mean that I've worked on? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, the ones, I guess, that I can talk about. Um, I love, um, because I love, I've told you I, my, my, my deep heartfelt love for science fiction and fantasy um, I think probably, uh, um, final fan, I was part of final fantasy. That was cool. Um, I've been, I've, I've played various, um, creatures in, uh, video games like, um, let's see, devil may cry. Um, days gone was, I played some, these, these crazy characters who worship, um, zombies, called rippers like r.i.p um those guys are ah, they, yeah, they talk like this yeah. um very vocally stressful but um fun to play there's other characters i don't think i'm at liberty to talk to talk about but in um there were some fun things in, in motion capture like um um borderlands i got to use a lot of um, this weapons training that i had um that i had done that was a whole lot of fun um, um, Rogue Company was the same thing. Um, yeah, I, I, I love being, I mean, I like doing promo. I like doing narration. I like doing commercial. 
but, but I, like I said, I grew up living the stories and playing the characters. And um, so I just, I relish every chance I get to, to be in a world and want to know more about that world and how whatever character I'm playing contributes to, to the structure of the overall story. Have you ever done or would you ever do something like a soap opera or a romantic comedy? I could definitely hear you as a leading man. <laughs> well, thanks. I've, I've never considered um, a soap opera or like a rom-com, but, um, but I, yeah, yeah. If the opportunity presented itself, yeah, I, I totally would do that. I've asked just about everybody who comes on this as well. What is your dream project? Hmm. I think a dream project for me would to be like um, the player character um, of a, either a fantasy-based or a science fiction-based video game where you're, you're bringing the, um, the player along into this world and you have to immerse yourself into multiple numerous scenarios um, in you know, in a mocap stage, and then also filling out all these extra lines in the booth, that would be, that would be a dream job. That would be a dream. Cool, Cindy. We'll do one more hand check. No, sir. And I will ask Cindy and Jeff if they have any questions. Well, no, but I will say one thing. I have really last three weeks. I've been hosting this gig. And I've really gotten into it. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. really into it. <laughs> I'm good. I'm really and glad I, to hear that. With these headsets on, and I heard that um, firefly flying around, that bug, it, it was going through my headsets like crazy. And it yes. was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you, um, you want to you know, send folks to a website or is there somewhere where you can hear the band that uh, is no more? Um, promote yourself. Well, um, thank you for the opportunity. Um, I've got a, I have a website. Um, it's EliaMountjoyVO.com. Um, but Let's I smell that for everyone. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> we're it's we're my... blind. Don't forget. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's also, it's my, it's my name. It's E L I A H M O U N T J O Y. Um, and then the website is just VO as in voiceover, just, but just VO, Eli Um, But that's also my socials. Um, I don't, I don't really swim around the socials too much these days, but I, I definitely like, um, people who reach out and um, especially, you know, about the whole car serum thing. There was one thing I wanted to, um, to say while I was you know, on your show to your listeners, sure. um, because this is something I've thought about a lot about being blind, imagining myself if I were blind, which is what an actor would do. I put myself into somebody else's shoes. And I imagine that a silver lining in, a, in an extremely powerful um, side thing would, would emerge if you, if you are forced not to be able to see, and that would be your, like your mind's eye, your, your third eye, your, your imagination, yeah. which mm-hmm. is absolutely the, the core, the kernel to, to um, well, I mean, you could extrapolate to everything, but specifically acting, and, which is what voiceover is. It's, 
you, you have to be an actor. You're putting your, you're imbuing your emotions, you know, into either a character or a product. And um, I just, I, I imagine um, if I, if all I could do was hear that, it, it would awaken this imagination that I actually feel like I need to take upon myself to be like, I need to, to feed and foster that more in that same way. When I close my eyes and like Cindy was just saying, and you just listen to the sound of those wisps, it puts an image in your head, you know, mm -hmm. image is so powerful. And then, and then you're like, okay, those are the wisps. Now, if you're in a booth and you're in or whatever, and you're, and you're, you've got Bill and Shane saying, okay, there's these wisps. They're magical. They got, they've got these, they're kind of fairies. They got wings, but they're just telling you words. But if you can imagine and conjure up that, like those, that droning sound, the colors of them and, and how the size of them, do they smell engaging whatever senses you would otherwise be able to, to attribute to that, then give that performance. Those performances are so much, so much more rich, so much more fleshed out. And um, um, that's, that's a big takeaway for me from, um, from acting, oh, the, the imagination in the mind's eye. Hmm. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Um, I would love to have you back at some point before, the, before we finish up this series. And, and thank you for being open, honest, and, and sharing with us. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Shane, as always, I will hit you up during the week and thank you so much. We'll be back next week, Tuesday, 10 o'clock, and you can get the podcast. Oh, I will have some Apple information next week. So please come back. Some really cool stuff next week. See you then. To listen to this week's Carcerum episode, click the link in the description or search Carcerum, C-A-R-C-E-R-E-M, wherever you get your podcast. This podcast is a recording of a live show presented by the American Council for the Blind and Sunday Edition with Anthony. If you would like to be part of the live show, please follow at Carcerum the Series on social media or join the ACB mailing list by sending an email to community at acb.org. Also, be sure to check out the podcast Sunday Edition with Anthony on your favorite podcasting platform. For more information about Carcerum, go to carceremtheseries.com.